0: All right. Well, y'all can be seated. Thank you. Can we just give it up for our pastors, Pastor Sam and Brenda? Because I would not have just the honor of coming up here and getting to share with you if it wasn't for their leadership, if it wasn't for um, just their hearts to release young people into their callings and into their ministries. And boy, I am so, so, so thankful to serve under Pastor Sam and Pastor Brenda. They are the best, and this is the best church family to be part of. And so um, while they're away, I know they're gonna watch this back, but can we just give them the biggest cheer, the biggest celebration for Pastor Sam and Brenda? We love them so much. We have the best pastors. So, good morning, church. It is so good to see you all. You're looking great. It looks like we've been out in the sun. I had to cover up my sunburn a little bit this morning because I got a little fried, but here we are, feeling good. Got some more, is it vitamin D? Yes, there it is, vitamin D and me. So hopefully that gives me the energy to just preach. Um, but we are going to be continuing in our One Another series. Um, last week, you know, Easter Sunday, we talked about Christ and his forgiveness and what that meant. Um, specifically seven areas in which Jesus shed his blood for us, how his forgiveness reconciled us to himself. And so we're gonna continue in that vein, but this morning we're gonna talk about everybody's favorite subject, and that is forgiveness. Forgiving one another. Because we're not only called to be reconciled to God, but to be reconciled to each other. And so our main text we're gonna be diving into is found in Colossians. So if you have your phone or if you have your Bible, or if you're like me and you just like to look up on the screens, um, you can follow us. We're gonna be in Colossians chapter three, starting in verse 12. And so this is what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you." Come on, tell somebody around you, forgive one another. Tell the person you didn't make eye contact with, forgive one another. (laughs) All right, forgiveness. So that last sentence is what we're gonna kinda zoom in on this morning for a little while. It says, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And so I think that's so key to zoom into that part because oftentimes when we hear people talk about forgiveness or when people talk about their road of forgiveness, we hear a lot of phrases like, yeah, I'll forgive them if it was unintentional. If it was an accident, I'll let it slide. Or we hear, you know, we're just supposed to forgive and forget. I don't get amnesia usually or have long-term memory loss, but some people think, forgive and forget. Or you hear some people say, man, I'll just never get over it. I'll never be able to get over what happened. I'll never be able to get over that offense. We hear, I'll forgive you this time, but you're out of chances, right? Next time, nope, can't do it. Or the classic, hey, have you talked to them yet? Have you guys sorted it out? Yeah, I'm waiting on an apology. So once they say they're sorry, then I'll, then I'll consider forgiving. And a lot of these ideas and things, actually a lot of culture really gives us a free pass to do. But the problem with it is that if we're not forgiving the way the Lord forgave us, then we're really not forgiving at all. And so I wanna look at this morning how Christ forgave us and how we can align with that to forgive each other. So. It's gonna be fun, there's so much good that comes out of forgiving one another and I know it's some hard work and a lot of us this morning are sitting here like, whoo, I gotta dive into some things, but I promise we're gonna see um, just the gift of what Jesus did for us and the gift we have in each other. So are we ready for that? (laughs) All right, it's gonna be fun. Okay, so the first thing I wanna talk about this morning is that forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. And it's not just something that happens to us without um, any, anything that we do or don't do. It's, it's not something that magically happens after you go up and say, I forgive you. Wouldn't it be nice if you just walked up to someone and said, I forgive you, you walked away and then never felt anything again? You're like, man, all I have to do is utter the words and it's, it's done. Um, we can see in scripture that Jesus, had to make choices in his walk with the Lord. And the calling that he had to sacrifice himself to forgive all of our sins was something that he needed to choose to do. So if we look in Luke chapter 22:42, 42, he's, Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. And this is a pivotal point in the ministry of Jesus because this is just hours before he's gonna be arrested, betrayed, and crucified. And I'm always drawn to the scripture because what it shows me is that Jesus has these real human emotions, right? A lot of the times we can disconnect ourselves from God because we're like, well, he's perfect and I'm here and I'm human and I go through all these range of emotions and God just expects me to suck it up and just go for it. But that's not true. We see in the Garden of Gethsemane that Jesus is on his knees asking God to take away the impending doom and suffering from his life. And then I love in in, in verse 42, after seeking out the Father, after a lot of prayer, he says, Father, if you are willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Jesus chose the road to forgiveness. It wasn't gonna be easy. It was gonna be painful. And it wasn't something he felt like doing, but it was something he chose to do. See, Christ's choice, it came at a cost. It cost him something. And a lot of times, if we think in our minds that, man, if we get this wrong idea of what forgiveness looks like, and we think, I've got to be feeling it (laughs) to forgive... We're not gonna get it right. See, society can, can feed us this lie, and I think it's the younger generation now that's rising up with, outside of the church with this idea that, man, look into yourself to know how to make the right decision, right? So it's like whatever you feel, listen to your feelings, listen to your thoughts, do some soul searching, and if you are ready, if you feel like it, then choose to do what you wanna do. It's all about self. It's all about idolizing self. It's all about, man, if that's not for you, don't do it. If you don't feel it, don't do it. Stick to your truth. And that can start creeping in, if we let it to our church culture, because it can start looking really, really nice. Ooh, man, if we rewrote this thing and I could just choose to do whatever I felt like doing, well, I wouldn't have to forgive that offense right? I wouldn't have to pray for that person. And so I just want to show us that forgiveness is is not something, a decision you make based on what you feel. Because I'm telling you young people, if you go to your friends in school, if you go to social media, if somebody's done something against you, offended you, if you're in an argument with your friend, you're going to hear people say, well, what do you feel like doing? Nobody's gonna tell you, man, look at what Christ did. You need to choose to forgive even if you're not feeling it, right? They're gonna, they're gonna remind you of how that person made you feel when they offended you and how they don't deserve any grace because if they were truly your friend, they wouldn't have done that to you. That's toxic. That's a toxic person. Get them out of your life. Don't choose to f- forgive, right? And we're not called to push people out because of the toxicity they might bring to our emotions. We're not supposed to just only let people in that make us feel good all the time, right? forgiveness is a choice and it's gonna cost us something. But why do we do it? It's because we look at the model of Christ. Forgive as Christ forgave us. And when Jesus was in the garden and he was betrayed and he knew he was about to be even betrayed by some of his best friends, he knew what the cost was. He knew he was the perfect sacrifice and actually didn't deserve any of the suffering and the beating and the death he was about to walk into. What did he do? He said, I forgive. I'm going to walk this road to forgive the people I love so that we can be reconciled and have relationship together with the Father. So I wanna encourage you this morning that if you're not feeling like forgiving someone, that's normal. (laughs) Usually we don't feel like forgiving a family member or a brother or sister or somebody in our friend group or somebody in church that has offended us we're really not, we're going to actually feel the exact opposite. We're going to be like, man, I just, you know, when they walk in, I'm not even going to make eye contact with them. Oh, they're going to know. They're going to know I'm upset. They're going to know, right? And then you, uh, or you can sense when somebody else doesn't choose to forgive you and they're just kind of working through it. You go home and they're like, man, so-and-so like didn't even look me in the eye today. Did I do something wrong? Huh, I don't know. We've gotta choose to forgive people and not choose to just fall into our feelings. And I wanna let you know that feelings are, Jesus experienced all the range of emotions, right? He had anger, he had sadness, he had fear, right? He experienced all those feelings, but what did he do in the garden? He brought them to the Father. He brought them to the Father and he prayed. And in that time of transformation, he got to this moment where he said, I could walk away and I could say, you know what? Give these people what they deserve. But instead he said, no, I know what this is truly about. And I'm gonna give myself as a living sacrifice so that they can be forgiven and this veil separating people and God will be torn. So forgiveness is something that we can choose by looking at Christ's example, which is great. And so something practical I wanna leave you with there is just, man, when you're not feeling it and you're like, I wanna choose this, but whoo, I'm upset. I would encourage you to do what Christ did. Go to God in prayer. Go to him in prayer to figure out, God, how how do I talk to this person again that's offended me? Do I have a conversation? Do I not have a conversation? What does it look like? God, help me take this anger and transform it into what it says in Colossians. Help me to be compassionate, kind, humble, gentle, and patient with someone who's offended me. This transformation of the heart from being in our fields and then walking out in this choice to give grace happens in the presence of God. So I would encourage you, in order to make that choice, we've gotta get in his presence, pray about it. The second thing I wanna talk about this morning is that forgiveness is consistent. It's consistent. How Jesus forgives across the board is very consistent from person to person. And so we're gonna look at Galatians um, chapter three, verse 26 through 28, because I love how this is phrased. It says, so in Christ Jesus, you are all children of God through faith. For all of you who are baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. There is neither Jew nor Gentile, neither slave nor free, nor is there male and female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And I love that because it shows that Christ's sacrifice, his blood, it covered everybody, every person, every socioeconomic person of of different statuses, every family member, everyone, everyone of a different culture, a different background, different belief system. His blood consistently covered everybody. So he forgave everybody. His forgiveness is for everybody. There's nobody left out of this equation at all. And so a couple things we can pick up from this is one, forgiveness can't be earned. Christ's sacrifice was free, right? We cannot do anything to earn forgiveness and to be reconciled with God. And I think a lot of the time where we can get a little, um, maybe stumble a little bit with how we treat other people is the way we view God and what he did for us. Because if you think that you have to work to earn good standing with the Father, you're going to make other people work to have good standing with you. And so we have to understand that there is nothing that we can do to earn God's love. Right? We might come into church and feel like, man, I feel so much shame. I know I messed up this week. I feel like I didn't check all the right church boxes. I feel like I could have prayed more. I could have worshiped more. I could have treated someone better. And then we walk in here and the praise music starts and we're like, I don't even deserve to worship God right now. We keep our hands to the side in shame because we think God himself is looking down on us going, you haven't done enough to enter into my presence with freedom. And that's the farthest thing from the truth. The beauty about Christ's sacrifice is no matter what, we can walk into the presence of God, whether it's on a Sunday or whether it's throughout the week or whether we're sitting on our piano or whether we're in our car, and we can commune and worship our God and talk to him. And he never turns his back, he never turns away. And so what should that tell us about how we interact with the body of Christ, with our friends, with our coworkers, with our family members. It should be this understanding that, listen, I'm not gonna turn my back on you if you don't live up to my expectations, right? Because we all, whether we like it or not, (laughs) have expectations of how we want people to treat us. And we can easily get a little offended if somebody maybe even unknowingly doesn't measure up to what expectations we have. We have certain expectations for friendships, right? We have certain expectations for coworkers, for a boss, even for a pastor. And a lot of times, we we develop this narrative where it's like, man, if you don't meet my mark, I'm gonna create space. And Christ doesn't do that. Christ doesn't play favorites. He forgave the thief on the cross and the people who nailed him to it, right? He forgave those in power and those who were disenfranchised. He forgave the rich and the poor, the churched and unchurched, the well-meaning and the people with ill-meaning. He forgave everybody. And I think it's so hard to wrap our minds around this sometimes because right now we're in this generation of people that says, cancel. (laughs) If somebody does something wrong, cancel them. If somebody says something wrong, cancel them. And right now there's this, kind of this disunity between even people in authority, right? And people that aren't, people who have less than. And we only give, I know culture right now is like, we only give, give people grace if they're the victim. Or on the flip side, maybe, where I know in this text, if we look back into historical times, the people that hold the most power, the people that are on top, deserve the most Grace, where there's just expectations you have to meet and keep your mouth shut if you're on the bottom, right? And so we can't pick sides as believers in this church body. We can't say, well, I'll forgive you, but I won't forgive them. Or I'll forgive the person that hurt you, right? But if they do it again, I'm gonna create space. Jesus doesn't pick sides. And he doesn't say, hey, I'm gonna side with those in authority and those in power. And then if you have a lower status, you haven't earned the right to speak up and be forgiven. But on the flip side, Jesus doesn't say, hey, if you're the victim, right, if you've been wronged, you get a free pass to be bitter, to be angry. And the people that have done you wrong in authority, they have to pay. Jesus welcomes all of us in, everyone. And it's a beautiful thing, and for some in culture, it might rub them the wrong way. We might look crazy (laughs) to the people outside of these walls that don't know Jesus. Wait, why are you praying for someone? Why are you praying for the person that's guilty? Why would you do that? Why did you forgive that parent that hurt you? What? You shouldn't be treated that way. Why would you stick with this friendship that's offended you so many times? We're gonna look crazy and sometimes we're actually gonna be ridiculed for the way that we as a a body of believers choose to pray for our enemies and love those who persecute us, right? That's not a popular belief system in our culture. It's not. So if, so if people come at you for praying for certain people that are persecuting others, or if society creates this enemy and you start praying, getting down on your knees and asking for grace and forgiveness for people that are hurting other people, expect backlash, but know you are following Jesus in this. right? You look like Christ when you forgive people that haven't earned it, that don't deserve it, that are hurting others, that are harming others even. Christ forgave everybody. And the last thing I wanna talk about with this is something that I think um, us as as even young people, but I know this this relates to every age group, is that we have to give grace in friendships. A lot of times I see this um, trend where young people, or even People throughout all ages, they start losing friends a lot. (laughs) And you go, wait, why aren't you talking to that person anymore? Or a month ago, you guys were like kicking it. You were coming to church together. Everything was fine. And then a month later, you're like, oh, I can tell those two are in a fight. Oh, I can tell something's happening there. Oh, they don't seem very close anymore. Or people jump from friend to friend to friend to friend in the church because nobody wants to practice giving grace and giving forgiveness. And I know in my life, the friendships that I have had the longest, a decade or more, are the friendships that I've had to practice being forgiven and forgiving the most, right? There's moments that we can all get into our feelings where we're like, you know what? This is the last straw. Maybe it'd be better for me to just walk away from this friendship and get a new one that'll meet all my expectations. But I'm telling you, no friend, no person, no human being will ever meet all your expectations 100% of the time, so let's get rid of the lie that there's like this perfect friend or this perfect person or this perfect spouse that can check all the boxes and fulfill everything that you want. To have strong relationships and to have strong Christian friendships, we have to be willing to forgive one another. We have to have friendships that we say, hey, I'm actually, if, you're, if you come to my circle, know this. I'm gonna allow you sometimes to offend me. I'm gonna allow you not to have to be perfect around me. I'm gonna allow you to not always get it right. And I'd hope you allow me to do the same because if, if people come into our lives and they know, man, I have the freedom, <laughs> like Jesus gives me to not always get it right, <laughs> How, how freeing it is and peaceful it is to be around those people, right? Man, I love people when I can walk into a room and I'm like, man, they're not holding anything against me. They know my shortcomings. They know I'm different. They know I'm wired different. They know I can't answer somebody back in a text to save my life. And yet, <laughs> when I see them the next day, they're like, it's cool. I got you. I love you. I know you, right? We, let's be people. Let's be the kind of friend that we would wanna have, Let's be the kind of spouse that we'd wanna have, right? Family member that we'd wanna have. And what I love is is Jesus' example of how he treats his own friendships. It blows my mind that Jesus at the Last Supper says, one of you at this table is gonna betray me. And he knows exactly what Judas is gonna do. And yet he never once told Judas, go away from me. Right? During the whole time in ministry, he knew Judas the betrayer was one of his his disciples, was one of the people in his close circle, but not once did he say, because you're gonna betray me, I don't want you close to me. I don't wanna love you. I don't wanna offer grace to you. And then beyond that, Peter, Peter's like one of Jesus's homies. I don't know if you guys have homies. I don't know if that word's cool anymore your tribe, I don't know. But Peter, I love this story. But I love the dynamic between Jesus and Peter because Peter's this just like real zealous guy that like talks the talk and he's like, no, no, no. Like I, Jesus, I will go to bat for you. You don't even know, like these disciples are weak. I got you. Like this is Peter. He's like, I know, like I am capable of having Jesus's back no matter what. I'm sure he made so many promises we don't even see in scripture to Jesus of like, don't worry. When all these guys bail, I'm gonna be here. I got you, Jesus. I'm your guy. And what happens? Jesus is like, Peter, before the rooster crows, you're gonna deny me three times in my time of need. Peter's like, no, you've got the wrong guy. But what does Peter do? Not only does Peter not stay up with Jesus in the hardest and most excruciating, one of the most agonizing moments, in his life in the Garden of Gethsemane. But right after that, when push comes to shove and Jesus is going to be crucified, Peter freaks out and says, I don't know that man. I was never with him. We're not friends. Ouch. How much would that hurt if literally your friend that's walked with you for years, in your biggest time of need, because they're scared, they're like, they don't even, Peter just didn't stop at like, I'm gonna play confused, I'm gonna play, I don't know what's going on, I'm gonna just walk away and not say anything. He literally said like, we're not friends, like I don't even know this guy, you've got the wrong person. That would hurt, that would hurt. But what struck me after that, is that when Jesus is resurrected, and that when he appears to Peter, when Peter's fishing, Peter turns around and he must have known the kind of friend Jesus was. Because the first thing Peter did when he saw Jesus, it wasn't shrink back and go, ooh, I'm gonna let Jesus decide if he wants to come up to me because I failed him pretty bad. Or like, man, he's about to have it out with me. Or I wonder if he even still wants to be my friend. He must have known something about Jesus to where when he turns and he sees that Jesus, the resurrected Christ, is standing there on the shore, he jumps out of his fishing boat and he swims to Jesus in this excitement of like, there he is, my friend, and Jesus accepts him with open arms. Isn't that the kind of friend that you wanna be to somebody, right? That when they've done you wrong, and you know they know it, you know they feel guilt, you know they feel shame, is where the next time that you see each other and you make eye contact, it isn't... Nice, right? It isn't, I can't even look at you right now. No, it's, hey, I know your heart. I love you. It's all right. Let's move on, right? Jesus and how he shows grace to his friends is one of the most moving things in scripture that we can look at. And it shows us that we're capable of forgiving even the hardest people in our lives to forgive. The people that we've put the most (laughs) eggs in that basket, people we've glorified the most, or the closest people in our lives like Jesus had, like Peter, like his disciples. For us, it might be your spouse, it might be your friend, it might be your kids, it might be your coworker the people that you have put on this pedestal to say, man, like, if they let me down, it's gonna hurt. And, you're, and you want, the people that it hurts the most to forgive are the people that you just want them to pay. You want them to know you're upset. You wanna walk away from. But Christ shows us that through him, we are capable of forgiving anyone in our lives of any offense made. And so I would just encourage you that if you have friends in this room or you're here with your family, you're with, you're with the community of Christ and you have people in your corner that are all on the same mission and all following the same vision of looking like Jesus and showing him to the world, stay with those people. Don't let them go, right? Don't become bitter when you get offended and just say, peace out. The people next to you in this room, right, are the people that you need to fight to stay close to. And a lot of times we have to do that by just forgiving and giving grace over and over and over again. Man, fight for the relationships that you have in the body of Christ because they are so valuable. And don't allow the lie that, Man, I gotta find somebody that never offends me. (laughs) No, everyone's gonna offend everyone. It's just how we work. But it's a beautiful thing when you can look back at a friendship you've had for over a decade and say, wow, it's only through the grace of God that he's given me that this friendship is so strong and still standing. It takes work, but it's so worth it. So the next thing we can learn about forgiveness is that forgiveness is a command. And so any command we're given in scripture, obviously as as Christ followers, we wanna follow it. We wanna do it right. And so I wanna look back at Colossians, at the command that we're given in regards to forgiveness. And we're gonna start in Colossians 3, verse eight. It says, but now also rid yourselves of all things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone." And so something I noticed in reading this text that I found interesting was that we see over and over again the use of the word clothe yourself, clothe yourself, clothe yourself. In verse eight, it said, rid yourself, put off. And then in verse 12, it says, clothe yourself. So I looked into that a little bit and in here it's used as a metaphor. But how many of you know, you can really kind of tell a good amount of things about a person based on what they wear? Or at least you try to, (laughs) right? So for example, a priest in the Old Testament, you would be able to just spot them from a mile away because of the clothes that they would wear. Or a leper, again, you'd spot them from a mile away because the garment they would wear. Or the disciples, or Jesus, specific garments made a representation of who they were and what they did. And so what Paul's trying to say here is that now that you're a new creation in Christ, clothe yourself or put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, because those things are gonna be noticed by the people around you and are going to, they're gonna be able to tell who you represent. So <laughs> I've got my friend over here that's gonna help us figure this out a little bit. So I wanted to bring out some clothes because I thought, you know what? If scripture's telling us to clothe ourselves, we might as well bring some clothes on stage and figure that out. So Dan over here represents somebody I love the glasses, they look great. We also didn't try to match today, I didn't tell him what I was wearing, it was the Lord. Okay, so Dan, Dan's over here, he's right now dressed in his old nature, right? If you can't tell, he's got broken glasses on, he's got a rough looking beanie on, he's got a coat that's probably like six years out of style, and he's wearing socks with sandals, right? (laughs) For a second, I was worried that you had the nice clothes on. All right, Um, this this represents our old nature, right? Before Christ, right? And in our old nature, Paul describes it as we have anger, we have malice, we have slander, we have filthy language. And he directs us to do what? When we become a new creation in Christ. Rid yourself. So take off the anger, put it away, Right, Rid yourself of the filthy language, right? Take off that hat, it needs to go. Rid yourself of malice, those broken glasses, you can't really see as well as you want to. And also scripture says how beautiful are the feet that carry the news of the gospel. Those feet aren't carrying any good news. I'm telling you right now, (laughs) take off, yeah, yeah, yeah. Keep those sandals, rid yourself of those sandals, right? So not only do we rid ourselves of our old nature when we come to Christ, but now we have to clothe ourselves with our new nature in Christ, right? So that the world can see who we are. So now we're gonna put on some compassion. I like that, that is a nice hat, that is a really nice hat, right? We're gonna put on kindness, right? We're gonna get rid of our anger, and instead we're gonna put on patience, we're gonna put on gentleness. We're gonna put on compassion. Look at those Jordans. And now, all of a sudden, when Dan goes back into work, going from the socks and the sandals and the beanie and the broken glasses, and he shows up on the scene at work and he's wearing this fly outfit and he's got, man, he's got Maverick City. Let's give it up. He's got, Great job, Dan. Wow. If I could just get an applause for getting dressed in the morning, that would be great. Takes a lot. Now he's got his new jacket on. He matches. He looks good. He walks into work and people are like, wait a minute. Look at Dan. Dan's looking good today. What? What's going on? And they start asking him questions like, Dan, where'd you get your new clothes from? You're looking good, man. And people are astounded to see that Wait a minute, why is Dan taking that coworker to lunch that he was angry at a month ago and that he talked bad about and gossiped about? Now he's like treating the dude so well, he's taking him out to lunch, getting him Starbucks gift cards. Man, Dan used to just gripe and gripe and gripe about his family, but he's got a family reunion he's going to next week and he's like giddy about it. Who is this guy? And people can see the transformation because of his compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. All of those things that we clothe ourselves with direct people to Christ. And so we're following this command and we get halfway through Colossians and we're like, I'm a new creation in Christ. The old is gone, the new has come. Here I am, everybody sees my new outfit. I almost said my new digs. And then I thought, "Hmm, I'm gonna get roasted for that. And now we're looking good to the rest of the world. But then what happens? what happens? We get partway through the scripture and we're like, yeah, I've got, I'm compassionate, I'm gentle, I'm patient, I'm new in Jesus, let's go. But then we get to the part of scripture where it says, bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. So what happens when we get offended? Then all of a sudden somebody does something wrong to us. And what can happen is, how many of you have when you're like doing spring cleaning and you're getting rid of old clothes, how many of you like look at those jeans that are a little torn up, that they have paint there, and you should probably get rid of, but you're thinking on a rainy day, right? When I just really need to get dirty, when I'm working outside, when I gotta paint the house, you know what, I'm gonna save those pants so I can put them on when the time is right. How many of you just like put some stuff in storage? Like, I don't just wanna own nice clothes. I've gotta have some rough clothes, just in case I need to like do some housework or something or work on the car. Does anybody else do that? They just have like, a pot, like this, mass, this drawer or this pile in the back of their closet. That's like, man, I would never wear this out in public. But if I need to wear something comfy or need to get dirty, I've got these clothes in storage. And what we can do as believers is instead of ridding ourselves of our anger, in our malice, in our filthy language, in our gossip. We put it in storage instead of throwing it away, because why? Somebody offends us. Somebody's done something to hurt us. And so we're like, wait a minute. All right, I was kind, but now I'm offended. So instead, I'm gonna put anger back on. I'm gonna put gossip back on. You know what? Yeah, I was trying this whole thing. I was trying to walk in my new nature, but I'm just, I'm just too hurt. This is unacceptable. I'm gonna put malice back on. I wanna really just let somebody know that the way they treated me was wrong, and I hope they pay for it. So what happens is we start to look a little confusing. <laughs> to the people around us. Because the week before, we were looking good, we had a new outfit on, everybody could clearly see, wow, you're representing something new. But then a fence hits and a lot of times as believers, we start putting on our old clothes and people look at us and go, hold on, who are they representing? Like, what are they doing? How have they been changed? And we look like this. We look like this to an unbelieving world, right? When we stay bitter at those who have offended us. We look like this. And we're not called to look like this. And the other thing we're not called to is to put those things in storage. To say, you know what? I've got this offense, I've got these things, I've got these feelings, just like, there in the back and I'm just gonna pull it out when someone really deserves it. When someone cuts me off on the road, all of those negative feelings that have been just pushed down deep in storage, man, they're gonna come out. I'm gonna gonna just lay on that horn until they know how angry I am. And we have these like fits of explosion and rage and anger and everyone's like, where did that come from? It's because we have Instead of ridding ourselves of our old things, we have just put it in storage, right? And Paul tells us to get rid of it. Get rid of it, get rid of the anger, get rid of the malice, get rid of the resentment, get rid of the bitterness, get rid of it. So these clothes, Dan, I don't know how much they mean to you, but they belong in the trash, right? Anger belongs in the trash, bitterness belongs in the trash, Right? Gossip in the trash, right? Harboring negative feelings against someone, it belongs in the trash because that is not who we are and that's not who we represent. We represent Christ. He is a God of compassion, of humility, of gentleness, of patience, of love, of grace. And when we put those things on, even when somebody hurts us, even when somebody offends us, we tell the people out there that I know Jesus and He wants to know you. He wants to love you. I have, He has so much in store for you. We need to clothe ourselves with our new nature. And man, don't trade (laughs) your new identity in for the old one when it gets tough. Keep it on. Thanks, Dan. Come on. So the last thing that I wanna talk about as we wrap up is just that forgiveness is simply our calling. It's our calling, we're called to it. A lot of times we can get lost in, man, what's my calling? What am I supposed to do with my life, right? We can get so caught up in a lot of other things. I know as a young person, you'll get caught up in like, man, where am I called to go to school? Like, what am I called to in ministry? What am I called to do at work? And we can forget the simple things that we're called to, that make the biggest impact to the world around us. And one of those things is forgiveness. We are called to forgiveness. Second Corinthians says this, chapter five, therefore if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come, the old is gone, the new is here. All this from God who reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciled, reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we are to show people through the way that we handle our offenses in this body, we're supposed to show people and represent the message of reconciliation, the message of Christ's reconciliation, right? That there was a veil, that there was this wall between us and God, but the reason for Christ's sacrifice and the reason for his death on the cross so that that could be broken down because God wanted us. He wanted all of us. He wanted us close. He didn't want any barrier. He didn't want any wall. He didn't want any space. God wants us. And the only way to get that was through forgiveness. So Christ is calling us, he's calling us to carry that message of reconciliation to the world. And the way that we do that, the way that shows it, that puts it on display the most is when we forgive. Because right now (laughs) this world is very bitter. It's very hurt, it's very angry. It wants to place blame, right? It wants to be its own truth. It wants to rid itself of like any negative feelings by shutting people out and getting rid of people and canceling people. But we can show an unbelieving world the message of reconciliation by how we can look at each other in this room and say, you know what? Even if I have a hurt, even if I have an offense, I'm gonna treat you with kindness. I'm gonna treat you with compassion I'm gonna treat you with patience. I'm gonna treat you with gentleness because I care more about us being close than what I'm mad about. I care more about our relationship than being right about something. I care more about our relationship than the fact that we might not see eye, eye to eye in a few areas. I care more about our relationship than all the ways that you maybe haven't measured up in the past. Christ, when he came in the form of a man, his whole mission, his whole mission was to just call us to himself. And so we need to be, to be people that spread that message by remaining united within the body of Christ to each other. Right? That say, man, the most important thing I can do is love you, is forgive you, is be kind to you, is be gentle to you, and is to be patient with you. So Christ shows us through this that we can fulfill our callings (laughs) as Christ followers by letting go of that bitterness in our heart because we cannot fulfill our calling, (laughs) our call to show the world God's message of reconciliation while carrying bitterness in our heart against people. We can't do it because what is it gonna do? It's gonna affect what we look like. It's gonna affect how we talk to each other, behind each other's backs. Christ is calling us even this morning in this room to say, hey, it's time to lay down your bitterness at my feet. It's time to lay down your hurt. It's time to lay down your anger. He's not dismissing it. He's not dismissing anything that you've been through. Christ is not a high priest who is unfamiliar with our pain, but he empathizes with it. He gets it. Jesus didn't have to just suck it up and move on. He could go at the feet of his father and say, you know what I'm feeling and you know it's not right. And you know I want justice and you know I'm upset. But God, it's God's work to do the justice, not ours. God is just, God is holy, God is sovereign. And a lot of times when we let go and we say, you know what? I'm gonna walk out of this room without carrying and harboring this bitterness. It's amazing what God can do and how God can work in the hearts and lives of those around us, right? When we stop trying to be the judge and the jury over other people, when they do things that we think are wrong or not right, it's amazing what happens when we just offer them up in prayer to to God and then he says, you know what? I'll take care of it, but more importantly, I'm gonna take care of your heart too. I'm gonna give you freedom that comes with letting go of this bitterness and this anger. And it's amazing to see what can happen in relationships around you once you start practicing forgiveness and grace. Relationships you never thought in a million years (laughs) could be reconciled. Man, I'll never have the relationship I want to with this parent or this sibling or this friend again. You'd be amazed at what happens when you give the responsibility to God and you just are faithful by bringing it in prayer to Him and saying, God, I'm gonna continue to clothe myself in the attributes of you, even when it hurts, and I'm gonna let you do the transforming work because we don't have the power to transform people with our bitterness. (laughs) We don't. I'm telling you, it might make people feel awkward. It might make people feel shame. It might make people feel guilt but it's not going to transform anyone. It's not. What transforms somebody? Christ, the presence of God. That's it, that's it. So as I close, would y'all just stand this morning? I just wanna take a moment to give everybody the opportunity to respond, not to me, but to God to have a moment with the Holy Spirit because I know he's faithful to speak, right? Through his word and through his people. And so right now you might be feeling this tug on your heart where Christ's saying, hey, I know that you are carrying this hurt. I know you're carrying this bitterness. I know you're carrying this anger, but I just want you to give it to me. I just want you to give it to me and see what I'll do with the relationships around you. I'll give you wisdom on how to handle it. I'll give you wisdom on how to walk it out. And I'm telling you, Jesus had to go back to the same spot in the garden of Gethsemane three separate times before he said, God, your will be done. So you might not even get there (laughs) today. You might wake up tomorrow and be like, I feel the same way. (laughs) I don't feel any healing in my heart. No, God, can do that in a moment, but sometimes it takes just daily discipline of bringing something in prayer to God to say, Jesus, here's my hurt. Help me, heal me, transform me. Help me be faithful and just being kind and loving and compassionate and gracious. Day after day after day, moment after moment, then we look back and we see this healing in our hearts. We feel this freedom in our our spirit. And Christ wants that for you this morning. He wants you to be free. He wants you to feel loved. He doesn't want you to carry this weight anymore because did you see how much of the weight of clothing Dan was carrying when he, put that, when he put that stuff back on over his new nature? It was probably really hot, right? It probably was weighing him down. You don't wanna walk around with the weight of bitterness anymore, the weight of anger, the weight of hurt. But Christ is saying, Lay it at my feet, lay it at my feet. I promise you, I have something more for you.